hey, good morning. I am bummed. I wanted, today was supposed to be our first Sunday morning back in our building. And obviously it's not. We're only online this morning. If, I I know it's going to be Sunday when this is um, online, but, but if you still have needs, if you know about people with needs, let us know. It's Friday when I'm recording this, and, you know, I've been talking to people on the phone, through text messages, people reaching out to the church um, from inside and outside the church. In fact, I was starting to record this, um, this message, and somebody came by the church, and I had to, to stop and start over because, um, you know, they just needed to talk to somebody. Uh, I was out at, running some errands the other day, gal at the counter obviously was upset. I started talking to her, you know, we're four feet apart and masks and everything, but I'm talking to her. And, and uh, she, I said, you, you know, are you okay? And, and she's just in fear because the fires and everything that's been going on, and it's just got to her. I prayed for her right there in the little shop, you know. <laughs> like, I pray for you. And she said, yes, that'd be great. And I prayed for her. Um, and when we chatted for a little bit, we have an opportunity to minister hope. And 2020 has not changed things. It's exposed them. It's shown areas where we thought we were strong and we were weak. It's shown areas where we thought we had the, we had the illusion or the fantasy of control or, or the illusion of knowing what was going to happen. But God is still good. God is still good, and 2020 has not changed that. I want to think about where we've been. You know, I'm recording this on Friday. It's 9-11. What do we say? Never forget. Because it is good to remember. It's not good to live in the past, but it's good to remember where we've been because it it helps inform where we are going and where we're at right now. And I was thinking about where we've been. We started 2020 under a cloud of tension. We had an impeachment going on. That's never good. No matter where you are, right, left, indifferent, center, middle, up, down, north, south, doesn't matter. And impeachment's bad. And then we had the, the tension and the threat of conflict with Iran. Did you, do you remember that? It's like the good old days. Oh, simpler times. We only had an impeachment and a, and a regional war to worry about. This, this was the good old days. And then we started to hear about this virus and that was hanging over our heads. And then we came to March, and we heard that there were cases in America. And anybody, you know, anybody with a cough or something, you're like, ooh, you know. And, and in March, we had to have that first Sunday where we limited who could come. And I'll tell you, that was heartbreaking. No pastor ever wants to tell somebody they can't come to church. And we had to tell people, you cannot come to church this Sunday. We didn't know. We, we had a lack of knowledge. We, didn't, we knew that older people especially were more vulnerable. And... and some of you were mad at me, I know. Some of, my be- some of my beloved grandmas in this church, you were mad at me, I get it. And I, it hurt. And we had that last Sunday in the building, and we all talked about it was weird, but we'll see you next week, and we kind of knew we wouldn't. And we didn't have service again for many months. And we were cut off from each other. We were cut off from our spiritual family. We were cut off from the people that we do life with. We were cut off from our community. All the people that I interacted with 
in my life. Can't see them. Can't go near them. Can't be exposed to them. Can't have them be exposed to me if I have the virus. I don't. I got that COVID test when I gave blood. But you know what I mean is that we were cut off. And, and we have social media. I mean, I am so thankful that this happened now. Because can you imagine what it would have been like to have had this happen in like 1991 or even 2001? And, and so I'm thankful that we live in the time we do with Zoom and with FaceTime and Skype and all the technology that we have. But that being said, we were cut off. And even if you're connected online, you know the truth is that you can, you can cut yourself off real quick. If I have actual relationship, human-to-human contact, community, it's a lot harder. It's a lot more painful to cut myself off. On the internet, I can do it by unfriending somebody, by snoozing somebody, by deleting my account, starting a different one. You know, you can do all these things to cut yourself off. And it wasn't good. Let's just be honest about it. It's not been good to be cut off. And we sat there and we worried and it simmered and it simmered. And I'll be honest, one of the things that I did not predict, I didn't predict June. I've been trying to think, okay, what's going to happen? How is this going to affect my family, our church, uh, our world? I've been trying to kind of be ahead of the curve. I, I totally missed the boat on what happened in June. Because long simmer, simmering racial issues exploded. And like I said, 2020 didn't change things, it just exposed them. You talk to your friends in, in the minority communities and they'll tell you, yeah, this has been going on forever. This is just now with technology that we have cameras. Breon Taylor was just sleeping in her bed. And she was shot to death by the police. Maude Aubrey was just going for a run. She's out jogging. Shot to death by a retired law enforcement officer. Of course, George Floyd. And then everything became politicized. Everything became politicized. The virus became politicized. The protests became, everything became politicized. I was talking to a friend of mine, and uh, he's a leader in the black community in his, in his city, and, and he's sitting there going, you know, you guys are all, got all these protests up in Portland, but I don't think they're speaking for, for me I mean, they all say Black Lives Matter, but I think they're speaking about some other issues. Everything got politicized, and when things get politicized, that leads to tension and arguments, and it just repeats the cycle. So we've gone through an impeachment, a threat of war, a virus, a shutdown, an economic crisis, riots, protests, racial injustice. All of these things are going on, and then the fires hit. Then the fires hit. And people in our church, as of this recording, they, they don't know that their house is being threatened. People in our family of churches, I, I was on the phone this week with a lot of different pastors in our family of churches. And the churches down in Salem and Eugene and, and Albany, they're, they're doing what they can, but they have people that lost their homes. People who barely got out. You know, my brother and his wife had to be, uh, they had to evacuate from Medford this week. My, 
my mom's cousin and her husband had to evacuate from their home in Prosser. Just get out barely, you know, neighbor come bang on their door. We've got to go now. And they wake up in the middle of the night to a firestorm. And now we're all sitting under this cloud of smoke and our air quality is, we are the, it's like we are number one, right? Our air quality is worse than anywhere else in the world. Beijing looks like a paradise. Mexico City looks like, a, you know, an, an eco-wonderland compared to what we're dealing with right now. You put all that together, we've been through a lot. And it's exposed a lot. It's exposed a lot of things. It's shown a lot of things. And we are tired and spent and exhausted and overwhelmed. And we've all experienced some level of trauma. And I was thinking about this. Some people have experienced more trauma than others, right? For some people, you know, quietly behind the scenes, we kind of go, it, it, wasn't that, it hasn't been that bad for us. You know, you've stayed healthy. You had the kind of job where you could work from home safely and, and there wasn't a big change in your economic position. And, um, you're the kind of person that does kind of, does kind of okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I know there were memes going around like, you know, uh, you know, one panel of the meme says, you know, 2020, everybody stay home. And then another panel is a person that just says introvert. And he says, I was born for this moment, you know. And some of us handled it differently. Like, there are some people who got through the shutdown, and for them, April and May, that was just no big deal. And then everything we've gone through over the summer, everything that we're going through now, it's like, oh, I can't handle it. Whereas somebody else, you know, they, they couldn't handle it in April and May. And now they're, they're kind of going, I don't know why everybody's freaking out. Like, we're going to be okay. All of us have experienced different kinds of trauma. And those are the kind of things that are obvious. We don't know what's been going on behind the scenes in people's lives. Has somebody been hitting the bottle? Or some other substance to, to medicate themselves? Have there been tensions? You know, we're, we're what, six months into this thing? I'm starting to see, you know, not in our church, but, but Facebook friends and things, the first, you know, hey, we're getting a divorce. This, this has, uh, you know, pushed our marriage over the edge, that kind of thing. And maybe you did really good in April and May, but now it's, it's all cracking. Maybe you, you struggled in April and May, but now you're kind of like, I don't see why, why everybody's freaking out. Here's the thing. God has not abandoned us. God has not abandoned us. You remember Noah and the ark? One of the things that I, I think about with Noah and the ark is that the kids' storybooks always make it so cutesy. There's a picture of Noah's ark floating on the water. There's a rainbow overhead. The giraffes are sticking their head out of a window. There's little cute animals, and everybody's happy. If you're Noah and his family, you're the only people left alive. And you're floating uncontrolled on the waters of the deep, and you must have felt utterly alone as the rains poured. God did not abandon him. In fact, that's why God put the rainbow in the sky as a reminder, as a covenant. I'm not going to abandon you. 
I'm not going to do this to you. This, is, this isn't how life's always going to be. There's Joseph. You might remember Joseph when we studied the book of Genesis. He did nothing wrong. He was falsely accused. He's in prison. And it's not the first time he's been incarcerated because he got to Egypt where he was imprisoned after being falsely accused because his brothers threw him in a well and left him there and then sold him into slavery and the slavers took him to Egypt. And here's a guy who's cut off from his family, rejected by his brothers, falsely accused, imprisoned unjustly. And then when he thinks he's got his way out, this guy is getting out of prison and he's back in favor with the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, and he says, hey, don't forget me. He says, I won't. I owe you big time, Joseph. You were there for me in prison. I am going to get you out. And then he gets forgotten about. But God didn't forget about Joseph. In fact, God had Joseph perfectly placed so that when he did get out of that prison cell, he was able to accomplish the work that God had for him, saving countless lives, including his own families. Ruth. We studied the book of Ruth a couple years ago. It's one of the best stories in the Bible. But Ruth's husband died. In fact, all the men of that family died. And in that culture, if you didn't have a man, you were destitute. And that's not how it's right. It's not how it should be, but it's how it was. And so Ruth leaves her home to go back to Israel with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And they had nothing, and yet God was there with her. He had not abandoned her. I think of David, the king. He's a fugitive. He wasn't a king yet. He was just a fugitive. He had faithfully served the king, Saul. And now Saul was trying to murder him out of jealousy. And he's on the run, and he's forsaken, and yet God had not forsaken him. And you don't always have to be in prison or on the run or going through a trauma. I mean, think about Esther. Esther was brought out of obscurity and became the queen of the Persian Empire. And here she is in the palace, and she knows that there's this guy named Haman who is trying to murder and exterminate her whole people. And she's the only one in any sort of position of influence to do anything about it. And there she sits in her palace knowing that to save her people she will have to risk her own life. But God had not abandoned her. Peter, the apostle, was thrown in prison. If Jesus had died and rose, rose from the dead, he had ascended to heaven. Peter was preaching the gospel in Jerusalem. They said, you need to stop that or we're going to throw you in prison. And he said, I can't. I can only do what God tells me to do. And so they threw him in prison. And he's there in the middle of the night in chains. But God had not forgotten him and sent an angel to deliver him. The apostle Paul was a prisoner. And he was on a ship. And it was in the middle of the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. And it was been in a storm for weeks. Caught. And finally it broke apart. And he's shipwrecked, clinging, clinging. To, to driftwood just to stay afloat. But God had not abandoned him and not, God had still had plans for him. And I'm mentioning all of these things 
to say that all through the experience of the people of God, whether it's all the way back to Noah, whether it's those in our history like Martin Luther or Martin Luther King, doesn't matter who, the people of God have known moments of trial, of trauma, of isolation, of feeling abandoned. We had an impeachment. We had a threat of war. We've had lockdown. We've had economic crisis. We've had racial tensions. We've had injustice. We've had rioting. Now we've got fires. What's next? Because it's just September. We've got a few months left. What else is going to happen? But God has not abandoned us. God knows where we are at. We've never been in control. We've just had the illusion. We've just had the fantasy ripped from our eyes. But God knows everything we've been going through. And what do we do about it? What what have we studied recently from Jesus' own teachings in the Gospel of Mark? Love one another. Love one another. John, who was one of the twelve disciples, and he was the last of Jesus' twelve disciples still alive, and tradition says that he would go to preach to somebody in his old age, and he would have to be kind of carried from village to village to preach. And that's what he would say. He would say, little children love one another, for love is from God. Look around our church family. How can we love one another? How can we serve one another? How can we pray for one another? Can you imagine if Greg Wilson wasn't the only one doing that every Sunday? That's not, that's not me knocking Greg Wilson at all. I'm so thankful for Greg. Man, he is such a, a model for prayer. That, that if each of us was committed to praying for another of us, how can we love one another? How can we serve one another? I was so blessed over the last six months and I'd talk to somebody in the church and they'd say, yeah, I got a call from somebody else in the church and they just wanted to hear how I was doing. How can I help? We're going through all of this. We're going through all this trauma. Love one another. The Bible also says love our neighbors as ourself. We can look around. We can figure out how can we love our neighbors right now? How can we how can we support? How can we serve? And let's be honest, it could be something that we do two weeks from now. Maybe right now there isn't the need, but in two weeks somebody's going to need your help to put things back together. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your stroll, with all your mind, with all your strength. And maybe you're saying, I'd like to, but I don't think I can. I, I, I want to love people, but I don't have it in me. There's one God. There is one God. All other gods are false. And He loves us so much. He loves us so much that He died to save us. That this one God who reveals Himself in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Father sent the Son to die.
for our sins. And the Son sent His Spirit to fill us and change us and comfort us. And He invites us to embrace His love. And if you have never given your life to God, if you have never repented of your sins, if you have never said, Jesus, come into my life, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He's knocking at the door of your life. And he's saying, embrace my love, embrace my forgiveness, embrace my goodness. And then return that love. Love the Lord your God. I can't. No, but Jesus can give us love. And that's what the Holy Spirit does, is He fills us with the love of God. And then all of a sudden, where I didn't have love or concern for my neighbor, I do. Where I didn't have love or concern for my my church family, I do. Because God is working in us. We've been through a lot. I can't promise that we won't be through more. Quite honestly, I suspect the next few months are going to be tense just because it's an election cycle and there'll probably be some flood or winter storm or something's going to happen. Racial injustice didn't just go away because, you know, we wanted it to. There'll be a lot of things that we're going to be going through. But all it's doing is revealing our need for Jesus. And all that it's been doing has been showing to me that God is still good and He has not changed. And this world is still evil and that will not change until Jesus comes back. But we can be part of bringing the kingdom of God, the hope of God, the life change of God to a world that needs it, to our kids, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our coworkers. Like I said at the beginning, I had the opportunity to pray for this lady and maybe you're just talking to a coworker, you're, you're, you're talking to your neighbor over the fence, and, and you can just see they're troubled, and you can say, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, can I encourage you? Hey, can I send you a video? I, I was, this YouTube thing I found super, super helpful. Hey, I was reading in my Bible. Do you have a Bible? I encourage you to read this part of the Bible. It was super encouraging to me. You never know what God's going to have for you and the work that God has for you to do. And we can be filled with His Holy Spirit and filled with His love, and we can be renewed. I'll tell you what, this week I, need to be, I needed to be renewed. This week I needed God's life change, and I believe that He has given it and is giving it and will give it. As we seek His face, as we trust in Him, as we look to Jesus who began our faith, and he will finish and perfect our faith. Amen. And if you want to know more about being a Christian, you can email me at adam at faithonhill.com. If you say, I'm a Christian, but I know that God wants more in my life, let's talk. Shoot me a text. Shoot me an email. If you know of a way that we can love and serve our neighbors in our community, let me know. If you need something, let us know. We'll see you soon. We'll see you next week, Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Hopefully we'll be 
in person, socially distanced in our building, and then online as always, faithonhill.com and on our Facebook page. God bless you.